What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith. We are presented by the Believe Network. And man, this is episode 77 of this podcast. So those of you that have been here since episode one, thank you so much. Those of you that have been here since episode 77, this is your first ever video watching. Thank you. And everyone in between, uh, what a journey it's been. A lot of cool things have happened in that time frame since August when this particular show launched. And uh, yeah, today's show, uh, American Conference released their, their um, I guess, superlatives, their awards for the conference. Uh, we got some portal news too. In my opinion, bombshells dropped yesterday. There may even have been more since then, but the two that really caught my attention as it pertains to the American Conference. And then I want to get into this Dellinger report from yesterday. It's a follow-up from last week as it pertains to Oregon State and Washington State and the Pac-2 and their alliance with the Mountain West Conference. You know, we talked about this last week and there were conflicting reports. Um, Dellinger was very much pro Mountain West, Pac-2, and then there was, I think, uh, Beaver Blitz maybe had a report saying that this was not the, this was not the, the, the priority. And then Pete Thamel later that week, maybe it was two weeks ago, Pete Thamel came out. Yeah. I think it was two weeks ago and said that, um, you know, the, uh, an alliance with the Mac and the conference USA was also on the table. So we're going to look at Dellinger's report as well and kind of talk about that and, and, and what this could be leading to. Um, but first, all conference teams, um, I'm not going to go through first, second, third team necessarily. They're up on the American Conference's Twitter, probably on their website if you want to look at those. Um, but Coach of the Year, Willie Fritz. Offensive Player of the Year, Michael Pratt. Defensive Player of the Year, Trey Moore. Uh, one of the nation leaders in sacks. Uh, Special Teams Player of the Year, LeJounte Wester from FAU. And if you didn't see this dude play this year, because either you're just not an FAU fan or your team didn't play him, whatever, that dude, it seemed like every time I was watching FAU, like he was making a play. You know, throughout the season, for me, I, I'll have up to five, six games on simultaneously. And it seemed like every time my head turned to an FAU game, Wester was making a play. And then, of course, Rookie of the Year, Makai Hughes, running back at Tulane, well-deserved. I don't really have any arguments on any of these. Uh, curious to know your thoughts as viewers, listeners, people who have been watching the conference throughout the course of the season. Is there any misses here? Are there any snubs here? Uh, I have seen some chatter on Twitter. I know some people were uh, disappointed in Chandler Rogers, North Texas quarterback, not getting first, second, or third team. Um, but man, when you look at who's ahead, I mean, you had Pratt and, and Frank Harris, uh, on the first team list, you had Hennigan from Memphis on the second team list and Preston Stone on the third team list. And yeah, I mean, I could entertain an argument for, 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 uh, Rogers over Hennigan, but when you look at Memphis's record and then particularly in their head to head matchup, specifically when, you know, Memphis and North Texas played against each other and, Hennigan put the team on his back on that final drive. I mean, I think it's it's little things like that that kind of can influence those those uh, selections. But, yeah. Uh, and, and the only other one, you know, I think Coach Fritz, well-deserved. 11-1. I mean, on, on, the, on the cusp of leading Tulane to college football history. 
Um, and if you don't know what that is, you're going to have to listen to a previous episode because I've talked about it multiple times, but they are on the cusp of making history. Um, I think the only other coach I would, I would think could be considered for that over Fritz is Rhett Lashley at SMU. Uh, simply because SMU last year is coming off a 7-6 and six season. Now they're 10-2 and two in the conference championship. Uh, they were selected third, right? So technically they are outperforming their original selection in the preseason. Whereas I think Tulane is more so doing what people expected them to do. Now, should you penalize a coach because he's, you know, met the expectation, the high expectation that was put on him at the beginning? No, I'm just saying, if you're talking coach of the year, you're looking at Rhett Lashley, looking at uh, uh, SMU a season ago, looking at what they look like this year and what they're doing this year. I think you could make a strong case for Rhett Lashley to be coach of the year, but I also think something that may have factored into it is the fact that SMU is not going to be in the conference next year. So take that as you will be that as it may, let me know your thoughts on the, the, these particular selections. And is there any, like I said, are there anything you would have changed any snubs and um, yeah, I will keep it moving. So portal news, two big fish are in the portal right now. North Texas is Jamori Macklin and Temple's EJ Warner. Yes, EJ Warner, who was on this channel at AAC Media Days. There's a video of him talking about uh, what at the time was the upcoming season, but now is the season that just finished. And um, yeah, so Macklin, not surprised. It's unfortunate. I really felt like this North Texas, in fact, I said it two days ago, or was it yesterday when I was talking about North Texas and how they have something to build on heading into next year, finishing the season with that win. If they can just keep these guys out of the portal. And one of the main ones I was referring to was Jamori Macklin. And yet here he is in there. I mean, it is what it is. He's probably going to end up in the SEC somewhere or, 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 you know, Somewhere where he's going to probably get a nice, lucrative NIL package and going to have a lot more opportunities against bigger competition. Where this will be unfortunate is if it's a situation like the, the, the oh, what's his name? The guy that left UTSA for Ole Miss, who I don't even know if he's still on the Ole Miss roster, where it's like you look at it and go, man, had he stayed, it, it would have worked out much better in his favor. Um, so you never really know. Macklin had a heck of a season. I remember early on, I was pushing for him uh, to be in the Bolitnikoff conversation. I was uh, uh, sending stuff to uh, David Smoke, who is a Bolitnikoff Award winner uh, voter. But I don't know. And now I'm curious with Macklin, man, okay? You know, the, the Arkansas guy in me wonders, okay, do the Razorbacks give him a look? Uh, he's certainly a t- type of dude that would fit perfectly into Bobby Petrino's scheme. Petrino obviously heading back to uh, Arkansas as the offensive coordinator. And I I mean, I definitely could see Macklin being a a, a Joe Adams, uh, a Jarius Wright type player uh, in that Bobby Petrino system. And then of course, EJ Warner, man, I'm not going to say I was surprised by this either. Like to me, EJ jumping in the portal isn't because he's looking for greener pastures, power five, this, that, and the other. I think for EJ, he'd have stayed at Temple if they could protect him. I mean, the kid was running for his life for most of the season. He took a lot of hits. He took a lot of sacks. They just, 
And I talked about it when we were in real time, week to week. Like, are they going to be able to figure out the O-line and protect their quarterback? Even against lesser competition, they struggled to protect him. I don't know that EJ is going to land at a power five spot. I mean, he might, but who knows? He could end up somewhere else in the American conference. He could end up somewhere in the Mountain West conference. I think he's from Arizona. I think that's where the Warner family lives. Obviously, if you don't know EJ, he's Kurt Warner, the Super Bowl winning, Super Bowl MVP quarterback son. And, um, you know, maybe he goes to K-State. I don't know. You know, the only reason you say that is because that's where Cade Warner went and won, you know, won the Big 12 championship there last year. But I don't know. I, I, I think, though, what EJ is going to value is somewhere where he feels like he's going to be protected by his offensive line. And that was certainly a struggle for uh, Temple this past season. So let me know your thoughts on that, particularly if you have a tie to either one of those teams. Where could EJ be a good fit? That's one thing I'm thinking about. I've even been looking at the, the conference, right? Like a UTSA, could EJ Warner go to UTSA and fit right in, uh, particularly into the system of what they do? Um, um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't have like a lot of teams that I'm just going to be able to rattle off. But or is he going to get a Power Five look somewhere? I don't know. So that's what I'm looking at. I think Jamori Macklin for sure hits Power Five. He's probably going to be playing in the SEC next year, and and EJ. I don't know. We could still see him in the conference, but we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. All right, let's get to this Dellinger report. So yesterday, shortly after I dropped uh, yesterday's episode, actually, um, which thank you all who watched that and have engaged. And I mean, it's getting a very good response. But Dellinger dropped this report shortly after I released that episode um, saying Oregon State, Washington State finalizing scheduling alliance with the Mountain West Conference. So this is obviously a follow-up from a couple of weeks ago where they were nearing. Now it appears they're finalizing. I haven't seen any other conflicting reports. If I've missed that, please share it in the comments or hit me on Twitter. Uh, In fact, that's how I found the Beaver Blitz report two weeks ago was someone had posted it on Twitter when I said that I would be uh, talking about that particular uh, Dellinger report. But I'm not going to go through the whole thing. There's one part here I want to address. So if you remember two weeks ago, one of the caveats in that report was there would be a penalty if the Pac-2 looked to add select Mountain West Conference teams after you know this season or next. And then there was also a penalty piece about a contractual obligation for a long-term full merger like those were two of the caveats that I I was curious about as it pertained to what this dynamic between the Mountain West and the Pac-2 would look like so according to the report he kind of lays out what the agreement would be one thing on here that was odd is if there's already a a pre-scheduled game like if if Oregon State or Washington State were already on a Mountain West team schedule, if I'm understanding this correctly, they're just going to play that team twice that uh, next season. I don't know who that is specifically relates to, but that is what it says. Um, yeah, those Mountain West schools with previous scheduled non-conference games against one of the two schools will play the other as well during the same season. 
So, oh, or is it saying if they had a if they were scheduled to play Washington State in non-conference, they they would play Oregon? I don't know. They would play Oregon State or yeah. Sorry, I don't. Maybe I'm misunderstanding that. Feel free to put your thoughts in the comments. Here's the piece that I want to talk about on today's show. While there is not expected to be a contractual requirement for a long-term merger between the two entities, there is an intent and understanding of a full-time membership for OSU and WSU in the Mountain West or a merger. Okay, guys, intent and understanding and realignment from my perspective means absolutely nothing. Intent and understanding, if there's not anything in writing or contractually obligating behind it, it's, it's, it's gone with the wind as far as I'm concerned. So here's some things I want to discuss here. Is this the end of the Mountain West Conference? And I know that's a very dramatic statement to make. But the reason why I say that is because if they're not going to put a contract on any sort of long-term partnership or merger, or yeah, merger or membership, not partnership, with any sort of long-term membership or merger, there's not going to be any contract or anything in writing behind that. I don't see any reason why the pack doesn't survive, which they're in survival mode right now. Got to figure out the NCAA versus the house. Got to figure out this, this appeal that they're dealing. They've already won the case, but now it's up for appeal. Are they going to settle? After all that, they play the season out. If they're still holding a plethora of resources and things of that nature, I don't see any reason or anything that's going to keep them from picking select teams from the Mountain West to rebuild the pack. I mean, have they not made it clear that that is their number one priority is to rebuild the conference? And where are they going to look? They're going to look to the top tier of the Mountain West. I don't care if there's uh, intent and understanding. Intent and understanding can change if there's nothing in writing behind it. So it kind of reminds me, no, let me say it this way. If that were to be the way the dominoes began to fall, it would resemble similar to what destroyed the Southwest Conference, right? I mean, you had Arkansas leave early, but you still had the conference intact. And then the four top schools received an invite from the big eight. Okay, in this case, I think what you would see is like the top six schools, maybe top seven, I don't know, top six or eight schools receive an invite from the pack, probably six. Okay, in the Southwest Conference, those four jump ship. And then the remaining schools, I think there were two of the three got an invite to go to the WAC Conference, and then one was left stranded. And that was Houston. I think Houston had to stay independent for a year before getting on with the Conference USA. And I could see a scenario with the Mountain West where they help the pack for a year and then the pack ends up stabbing them in the back. Why, why is this, in my opinion, a 
very possible scenario? Well, because I think the commissioner of the Mountain West, Gloria Navarez, who's very sharp, okay, very like on her business, I think she is looking to be the commissioner of the pack. And so, you know, I think not to not to say this is her intent, but you could also say, hey, we were working and trying to get a full merger, trying to get two new members into our conference. And then they started poaching teams. They needed a commissioner. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't want to make it sound like that's the play because I don't think that I don't I don't that, that would make it sound like she's she's operating dirty and I don't believe that to be the case. Uh, I'm just saying that is a scenario you could see when nothing's in writing. They poach teams and Navarez ends up being the commissioner of the pack. Now you have the leftovers of the Mountain West and they've got to find a new conference or try to survive as an independent. And quite frankly, that's a scenario where you might could see the American come back into the fold if Air Force, if Colorado State were to be left out of that tier of teams that got an invite from the pack. Uh, so let me know your thoughts on that. I mean, whether you're a Mountain West fan or whether you're a Pac-2 fan, Oregon State, Washington State, like how do you feel about the fact that there is no contractual requirement for a long-term merger between the two entities, but that there is an intent and understanding of full-time membership uh, or a merger? Like what are your thoughts on that? I just, for me, with how realignment has played out to this point, I really don't feel comfortable with anything that's not contractually obligating. And knowing what the PAC-2 has been saying all along since the bottom fell out, that they want to rebuild the conference, to me, that's just like simple math, putting two two and two together. But let me know your thoughts on that. That's it for today. Thank you for watching another episode or listening to another episode of the College Underdogs podcast. Please, please, I didn't even say this in the beginning, but if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, leave a five-star rating, leave a positive review. We're officially, I guess, uh, broadcasted through the platforms with the Believe Network. So that'll really help me out from that standpoint. And then of course, if you're a YouTuber, YouTube watcher, uh, viewer, please like this video, make sure you're subscribed. Uh, we're, we're going for 5k now. We've reached the 4k milestone. We're headed for 5k. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. 77 episodes in college underdogs podcast, Trey Smith signing off.